Let's take our Bibles tonight and go to Jeremiah chapter 15. Jeremiah 15, if you would. If your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, if you'll turn, open your Bible and share with them, that'd be a wonderful thing. Jeremiah chapter 15. We're so glad to see all of you here tonight. I know many others are coming in, and folks are coming out of discipleship right now. We're just praying for God to bless and move in our hearts. Jeremiah 15. I think uh, what we'll do is we'll start from verse 1. I'm just going to read all the way down to verse 16 tonight. And so you kind of get the gist of what's going on. This saves me time from having to give kind of a background on this. And uh, we'll just get right into it and pray that God will work in our hearts. Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 1. Then said the Lord unto me, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my mind could not be towards this people. Cast them out of my sight, and let them go forth. And it shall come to pass, if they say unto thee, Whither shall we go forth? Then thou shalt tell them, Thus saith the Lord. Such is for death to death, and such is for the sword to the sword, and such is for the famine to the famine, and such is for the captivity to the captivity. And I will appoint over them four kinds, saith the Lord, the sword to slay, and the dogs to tear, and the fowls of the heaven, and the beasts of the earth to devour and destroy. And I will cause them to be removed unto all kingdoms of the earth because of Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, for that which he did in Jerusalem. For who shall have pity upon thee, O Jerusalem? And who shall bemoan thee? Or who shall go aside to ask how thou doest? Thou hast forsaken me, saith the Lord. Thou art gone backwards. Therefore will I stretch out my hand against thee and destroy thee. I am weary with repenting. And I will fan them with a fan in the gates of the land. And I will bereave them of children. I will destroy my people since they return not from their ways. Their widows are increased to me above the sand of the seas. I have brought upon them, uh, upon them against the mother of the young men a spoiler at noonday. I have caused him to fall upon it suddenly and terrors upon the city. She that has borne seven languisheth. She has given up the ghost. Her son has gone down while it, is what yet, what, while it was yet day. For she has been ashamed and confounded. And the residue of them will I deliver to the sword before their enemies, saith the Lord. Now notice Jeremiah's reaction to the Lord as God told him the message he had to give. As you read this with me, it's a, it was a very, very discouraging and very harsh message that God had to give to Jerusalem. Notice Jeremiah's reaction as we go through this, verse 10. Woe is me, my mother, that thou hast borne me a man of strife and a man of contention to the whole earth. I have neither lent on usury, nor men have lent to me on usury. Yet every one of them doth curse me. The Lord said, Verily it shall be well with thy remnant. Verily I will cause thy enemy to entreat thee well in the time of evil, in the time of affliction. Shall iron break the northern iron and the steel? Thy substance and thy treasures will I give to the spoil without price, and that for all thy sins, even in all thy borders. And I will make thee to pass with thine enemies into land which thou knowest not, for a fire is kindled on my anger which shall burn upon you. Now God's telling some further things to Jeremiah there as we just read. Notice again Jeremiah's reaction, and then we see a word of comfort the Lord gives to him. In verse 15 he says, O Lord, thou knowest, remember me and visit me. Revenge me of my persecutors. Take me not away in thy long suffering. Know that for thy sake I have suffered rebuke. Notice verse 16. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Father, tonight we thank you for the scripture reading that you've given to us, found here in Jeremiah chapter 15. We find Jeremiah, God, at a very difficult point of his ministry. 
Every message that you gave him was a message calling uh, Jerusalem and the people of Judah back to you. And yet they resisted you. They resisted his message. And Lord, as we read in chapter 15, going all the way from there at that point on, we find that the people of Jerusalem have had enough of Jeremiah. Lord, they're cursing him. They're mad at him. They're angry with him. They even throw him in prison. They beat him. They slap him. He, he endures many atrocities and, ba- and terrible things. And through all of this, we see a prophet, Lord, who is discouraged, a man of God who feels like quitting the ministry. And yet in the midst of this passage, we find that, God, you help us to understand that it's not discouragement that should dismantle us, but we can be possessors of the grace of God to dismantle discouragement. And tonight, as we look at the subject of discouragement and how to deal with it and how God's word helps us, We pray that you help those who might be very discouraged right now. People walking through the valley of discouragement where they feel like there's no hope. There's no tomorrow. They're not sure where to turn. They feel like, God, that the lights are out. And they feel like, Lord, that you're not hearing them. I pray that tonight you'll give an answer to that. And for some, Lord, who might be in the midst of going into discouragement after tonight's message, may this evening you give us the key that unlocks the door. And you help us tonight to understand how God helps every one of his children to overcome discouragement. Father, tonight, I need your help. Father, I myself encounter discouragement. And every single person here encounters discouragement. And tonight, I need help, Lord, that through your ministry of the Word of God, that you would counsel your people and encourage your people and direct your people. And God, tonight, may we lead this evening a better people and encourage people and enlighten people, a delivered people. And so tonight, we give you this service and this time. Be glorified tonight in the midst of uh, this congregation. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. A fable story was told that it was advertised that the devil was putting up for sale all of his tools. On that particular date, the a table was set out, and the tools of the devil were laid out. All the tools had a specific label on them. Some of the tools, as people would walk by, there were tools that all the instruments Satan uses to lead us to sin or to walk away from God. And some of those labels were entitled hatred, envy, jealousy, deceit, pride, lying, on and on and on. Laid apart and separate from all of those was one particular tool that was very noticeably very worn out. People could tell it had been used for a long period of time. But this particular tool, even though it was worn out and looked like it should have been thrown away, this particular tool was priced higher than all the others. A passerby came by looking at these tools and he asked the devil, he said, what's the name of this tool? The devil said, that, my friend, is the tool of discouragement. And the passerby asked the question, if it's the tool of discouragement, I don't see where it's so bad. I don't see where it should be more expensive than, than hatred. And I don't see where it should be more expensive than, 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 than a pride and deceit and lying. He said, why have you priced this for so high? And the devil replied to him, he said, because discouragement is more useful to me than all the others. And the man was kind of puzzled by that response from the devil. And he said, why do you say that? And the devil said, with discouragement, I can pry open and get inside of a man's heart with that tool. And when I 
like it, whereas I cannot get to him as close to his heart as I can with any other tools. You see, tonight, the devil knows that even though discouragement was the most badly worn tool on that table, it's the one that the devil uses most effectively to work in your life and my life. Beloved, tonight, discouragement is real. Do you get discouraged? Are you discouraged tonight? Are you someone just coming out of discouraged? You see, this evening, every one of us is going through one of three categories. We're either in discouragement, we're just coming out of discouragement, we're about to go into discouragement. I wonder tonight, has discouragement ever gotten the best of you? You know, this evening as we sit here, I just want to say a few things as we get into this message. As we look at discouragement, I'm writing this or preaching specifically for those who are very actively serving the Lord and those who might be in ministry. I love the ministry. From the moment I got saved, I'm thankful that I just got a heart for God. I'm reminded of what the Bible tells us in Titus 2.14, that Jesus Christ has redeemed us from all iniquity. And when Jesus Christ redeemed us, he redeemed unto himself a peculiar people. And the Bible says this, a peculiar people, zealous of good works. God wants his people to be busy serving him. Amen? God wants us to be zealous of good works. The word zealous has the idea of something fiery, something hot. He wants us to be red hot serving him, red hot involved. I love the ministry. I like being busy in ministry. I love every facet of ministry. It doesn't matter what it is, any component of it. I love the ministry. I thank the Lord for the opportunity to serve him. I love pastoring. I could tell you this, 25, 30 years ago, well, it's 30, 35 years ago, if you'd asked me as a 25-year-old man, as a 35, 30-year-old man, would you have gone to pastoring? I would have said, absolutely not. I cannot, I cannot stand listening to people's problems. Amen? I mean, I just was not in that place. I don't want to hear your problems. I'd say, give your problem to Brother Dave Lau said, Amen? Don't give it to me. Amen? But I don't want to hear the problems. But, I, but I'll tell you, I love pastoring, and I don't love to hear the problems, but I love seeing what God does with those problems. Amen? But I love pastoring. I love the ministry. I love the privilege to study and to preach God's word. I love seeing what God does in people's hearts. I love the privilege of getting the gospel to people. Brother Ted just walked in and we started, we had about three, three or four new people start discipleship tonight. Very excited about that. They're in church and we had several more lined up to start. And, and we had a young man that started coming to our church and we really weren't sure if he was saved or not there. And as Brother Ted to sit down and go through the gospel with him and Ted, Ted very carefully went through it for about 45 minutes and asked all the questions. And I was listening along with him and, and we couldn't find out. He really wasn't sure he was saved. And just before church got started here, he led him to Christ. Amen. And I, I love seeing things like that. I like seeing people get saved. I, I like, I like, I like the fact when somebody new comes to church, I say, how did you hear about the church? They said, well, somebody left this little little piece of paper at the door. Praise God for that. Amen. I, I like I like those kind of things. I love our I love our building banquets and I love our faith promise opportunities and seeing what God does in people's hearts here. I love ministering to people. I love to develop and train leaders. I love to see God, what God working through mission. You see tonight, if you're not in the ministry, you're missing it. You're missing out on the big thing of God. Amen. The ministry is a privilege. It's a privilege to serve God. It's a privilege to get involved and do something for God. I want to tell every young person tonight, you ought to consider the ministry. You ought to pray for God to put you in ministry. You'll never have a boring day in your life. Amen? You'll be excited about things. Well, well, you get thrown into a lion's den every now and then. There's no boring things about the ministry. The ministry is fun. The ministry is exciting. It's a, it's a privilege to serve alongside a, someone who's going through a valley. And it's exciting to go be alongside someone who's going through a high point in their life, like a wedding. And it'll be exciting on Sunday night as a church as we take Brother Ted and Shine and we, we uh, tell you about them a little bit there and, and pastor loman will be here and, to, and that night we'll be preaching he'll be preaching first and i'll be preaching second and to see our church get involved with the historic moment of seeing this young couple being sent out from heritage baptist church to go to a foreign city of five million people and preach the gospel of jesus christ to me that's exciting that's life-changing that's worth living for that's worth coming to church for amen 
It's a privilege to have preacher friends. Oh, at least I got a little baby saying amen. Amen. Thank God for at least one. Amen. Praise God for babies too. Amen. But I want to tell you something tonight. There's discouragement in the ministry. It's not a matter if you will be discouraged. It's a matter of when you'll be discouraged. Discouragement will break you. Discouragement will build you. Discouragement will grieve you, and it does. Or discouragement will grow you. Discouragement will melt you. Or discouragement will mature you. You either be a victim of discouragement or you'll be a victor over discouragement. But I want you to know tonight that discouragement does not have to be defeat. Amen? It doesn't have to mean defeat. Discouragement doesn't mean you have to quit and go into seclusion. No, there can be the dismantling of discouragement. I want you to notice with me in chapter 15 of Jeremiah this evening, a man of God, a prophet who was greatly discouraged from what we read. In fact, we read much of his discouragement for the next several chapters. A man of God who was discouraged. In the beginning, discouraged had dismantled him. In the beginning, discouraged was taking him apart. In fact, he got so discouraged, you get to chapter 20, he said, I'm quitting preaching. I will make mention of him no more. He got to the place where he didn't want to preach anymore. He got to the place where he wanted to get out of the ministry. He got to the place like many of us do sometimes. We get so discouraged. We're not sure we even want to go to church. We're not even sure we want to open our Bible and read our Bible. We're not sure if we can even pray. But I want to tell you tonight, though discouragement try to dismantle you, with God's help, you can dismantle discouragement tonight. So I want you to see some things tonight about discouragement that will help you. Number one, would you notice in our verses this evening, the manifold reasons for discouragement. Jeremiah was a prophet from the city of Ananoth. Jeremiah was God's man for the hour. Jeremiah was God's prophet to the nations. God's, Jeremiah was a prophet with a heavy message. And even from the very beginning, when you read chapter 1, Jeremiah was told by God, the people will be against you, but I am for you. I'm thankful every now and then when things get a little bit heavy and things get a little bit tough. I'm thankful for the promise given over the book of Isaiah that no weapon that is formed shall prosper against thee. I'm thankful that sometimes when I get discouraged, I get some pushback. I've got to go through the book of Jeremiah, not because I need a sermon here and there, even though it helps me there. I'm thankful to go to Jeremiah and read about a man of God who got some, who was discouraged, and yet God encouraged him along the way. Here was a man that was greatly discouraged and God helped him. Here was a man who was the man of that hour. We see a discouraged prophet of God. Notice beginning in verse 10. Notice his reaction to the message he had to bring and the pushback he would be given. God told him actually in verse 1, he says, Jeremiah, I just want to tell you something. Even if Moses and Samuel, his predecessors in the ministry, two of the greatest prayer warriors of the Old Testament, he said, if Moses and Samuel stood before me, he says, I wouldn't even listen to their prayers to help deliver this people. He says, this people are of a stubborn and stiff-necked heart. He says, these people are going to have to go into Babylonian captivity for their sins. And he tells them all the ordeals they're going to go through. And notice verse 10, Jeremiah says, woe is me. When he said, woe is me, he wasn't like somebody on a ride at Great America says, whoa, look at that. No, he wasn't saying, well, he said, woe is me. He was in trouble. He felt pressure. He felt discouragement. I mean, he was, when you say, woe is me, I mean, you're in trouble. Amen. I mean, you're in big trouble there. And he's saying, woe is 
just me. And he, and, he, and he curses the day of his birth. He says, my mother that has borne me a man of strife and a man of contention. He said, man, the Lord, my mother brought me to the world. And he says, man, I was born to be, by, be in the midst of strife and contention. He says, man, every, I, I've got no friends. And I've got, I can't make anybody happy. And there's strife and contention. Everything having to do with my message. And he goes on by saying, listen, I've tried to live for God. He says, I've not given, I've not let my money out and charge exorbitant interest. And I haven't taken money that, that, that involved exorbitant interest. And he says, yep, yeah, everyone treats me like I have. He says, everyone doth curse me. Have you ever been cursed out? Have you ever been cursed out for something you didn't do right, uh, that for something you didn't do? Has anybody ever chewed you out for something wrong? Have you ever been the victim of verbal abuse? Have you ever had people turn against you? Have you ever been in a place where everything's going very good and the sunshine and then 60 seconds later, darkness comes down and thunder's coming. You're wondering what happened to the situation. You ever been in a situation you thought people were for you and you find out the people are against you? I mean, that's the place that Jeremiah's in. Notice verse 15. He's so discouraged later on. He said, oh, Lord, thou knowest. He said, remember, visit me, revenge me, my persecutors. He was a man being, being persecuted. Notice verse 18. He said his pain was perpetual and his wound was incurable, which refused to be healed. I mean, he was in a bad, bad spot. He was in a dark place place in his life he said man this is something i went to bible college but they didn't teach me about what to do with discouragement in bible college he said what are you doing this situation and maybe you might feel like jeremiah you might be in a place of discouragement you're not sure where to go you're in a dark place in your life you're not sure which way to turn you're not sure if you're supposed to turn right or supposed to turn left i want to tell you tonight we have to look at discouragement there are manifold reasons why we get discouraged notice first of all we see the discourage that one of the reasons for discouragement is disappointment disappointment a disappointment is an event that did not turn out as you hoped and planned for the bible says hope deferred maketh the heart sick disappointment happens when some of you depended upon and you trust it disappoints you they don't they don't keep what they said they're going to do disappointment comes when you expected to get selected for position but it didn't happen Disappointment happens when when uh, uh, someone might give you a false lead. You think, man, this looks like it's turned around. And you find that they're giving you a false lead and, and they wind up not coming along with you. Uh, we have that all the time. Someone Sometimes someone comes to the church and they're coming for a few weeks and one of us will get with them and encourage them and try to nurture them along the way. And we, you know, we'll take them out for a bite to eat and we'll say to our spouse, man, I felt like that went really good. And they asked all the right questions and seemed encouraged. And, and then they're gone for three weeks. The next thing you, did, you know, they send you a text message or email message. Hey, just want to let you know I didn't disappear off the face of the earth, but I just want to let you know I decided this wasn't the church for me. That's a disappointment. Got one of those this week. It's a disappointment. Your colleagues will disappoint you. Fellow staff members will disappoint you. Your pastor will disappoint you. And you'll disappoint your pastor. A missionary friend might disappoint you. I mean, it doesn't matter. A doctor's diagnosis or advice might disappoint you. I'm just saying tonight, disappointment are one of the pathways that lead to discouragement. And here's another one. Disagreements will, 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 will cause discouragement. A disagreement is when someone, someone is not on the same page with us. Amen? Someone who changes their doctrine, position, or philosophy of ministry and is willing to turn back, that is discouraging. 
I don't know about you, but I'm in a part of the, the, my uh, sphere of ministry when I read about somebody that what that believed used to believe what we believe and used to walk where we walked, and and they're not going that way anymore, and they've changed, and and they they're conforming to the culture, and and they're letting the culture direct their church, and they don't have a long term vision about the church, and they're more concerned about being people pleasers instead of God pleasers. And I'm saying tonight, I know every man needs to lead their ministries. They're persuaded in their own mind, but I'm telling you tonight, sometimes you can get to a place where disagreement happens. And they disagree with you and they don't want to have a part with you. Listen, Jeremiah preached a message of judgment. He was facing pushback from the people. They disagreed with him. We don't we don't want to hear about our sins. We don't want you telling us we've got idols. We don't want you telling us that we've sinned against God. We don't want you telling us that we haven't kept the Sabbath years. And we don't want you telling us this. And we don't want you telling us we haven't tied. We, we, we know that we, that's what we've done. We disagree with your message and we don't like what you have to preach. Some people disagree and despise the message you preach. Some of our folks were out so winning outside a few weeks ago and they had a confrontation with somebody that came off, came off a transportation situation and they disagreed with them and it was pretty discouraging. People disagree with our biblical position. I mean, in ministry, you have to accept the fact that people will disagree with you. Hey, Amen. That's just part of ministry. People who've been trained right will make a decision to go to a different ministry direction because of disagreement. Let me tell you tonight, listen, disagreement leads to discouragement. When people disagree, there's a discouragement. When people, people are disappointed, there's discouragement. When there's disillusionment, there's discouragement. Jeremiah became discouraged with the harsh message he had to preach. Go with me to chapter 20. He got so disillusioned. Look at chapter 20, verse 9. Actually, chapter 20, verse 7. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about people being disillusioned with you. We already know about that. I'm talking about when you get disillusioned with your situation. You get disillusioned where you're serving. You get disillusioned about what you're doing. You get disillusioned about not seeing things progress the way that you think they should. And notice what happens to Jeremiah. He's a faithful prophet of God. He's proclaiming the word of God. He's dotting the I's and crossing the T's. There wasn't a jot or a tittle in the word of God that he did that he that he missed there. And notice in verse seven, oh, Lord, thou hast deceived me. Well, God deceives. God, you played with my head. You've been messing with my mind. Oh, Lord, thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. No, it's stronger than I, and has prevailed. He says, well, it's a battle of our wills, and God, you're winning. He said, I'm in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. For since I spake, I cried out, I cried violence and spoil, because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me and a derision. And notice his conclusion in verse 9. We get the first part of verse 9. He was so disillusioned with this message. He was so disillusioned with not getting any conversions and no one changing. He said this, then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. Listen, disillusionment can be very discouraging. I tell you something tonight, if you haven't figured this out, most of our discouragements are people discouragements. When people turn on you, that can be discouraging. When sin is uncovered, there's a lack of repentance, that can be discouraging. When someone leaves the church, that's always discouraging. When people don't come to church, that's discouraging. One of the false leads, you send them, yeah, I'll be there tomorrow. Did you see them? No, they didn't make it. When people throw rocks at you, that can be discouraging. When you take a stand and no one else is standing with you, that's, that can be discouraging. 
When you pour out your heart and your life for the glory of God and few to none stand with you, few to none make a decision, that can be very, very discouraging. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know tonight that discouragement is an ailment that afflicts all of us. There are manifold reasons. Listen, David got discouraged and he said, no man cared for my soul. John the Baptist got discouraged and he asked, art thou he that should come or do we look for another? Listen, Gideon was discouraged and he asked after the angel of God came to him, which was Jesus Christ, the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus Christ. He came to him as a theophany and he said to he came to him and says, oh, thou mighty man of valor. He said, how could this be? And this is Gideon's response to God's calling in his life. He said, oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all these miracles which our fathers told of us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midian. Hey, that doesn't sound like someone that heard a message from God. And that doesn't sound like someone that's encouraged. That sounds to me like someone who's greatly discouraged because of his situation. David got discouraged and John the Baptist got discouraged and Gideon got discouraged. Hey, by the way, Elijah got discouraged. Elijah said this, it is enough now. It's enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Listen, Paul got discouraged in the latter end of his life as he heard every day the, the axe, the, the executioner sharpened the axe and would come down upon his neck and sever his neck from his head from his body. And one day as he's riding out to Timothy, he just expressed his heart to Timothy. And he said this, Alexander, the coppersmith, did me much evil. And the Lord reward him according to his works, of whom be thou where also. For he has greatly withstood our words. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. Hey, that doesn't sound like an encouraging message. He said, no man stood with me, all men forsook me. I'm telling you tonight every single one of us will go through discouragement marriages will go through discouragement ladies you're going to get discouraged with your husband and husbands you're going to get discouraged with your wife and children you're going to get discouraged with your parents and parents you're going to get discouraged your children especially when they become teenagers amen you get discouraged with all aspects of life our greatest discouragements discouragements come because of people John Bunyan once said this, and I think he said this in Pilgrim's Progress. There was a castle called Doubting Castle. The owner whereof was giant despair. There are the manifold reasons. But notice, secondly, tonight, would you notice discouragement is a miserable robber? Before sin came, there was no such thing as discouragement. Discouragement is real. Discouragement is a thief. Discouragement is a robber. Discouragement is looking to make a home invasion into your heart right now. Listen, when you get discouraged, it robs you out of your focus. You're out of focus on what to do. You're disillusioned and you're, you're, you're down in your heart. You lose focus on God's calling. You lose focus on God's commandments. You lose focus on God's counsel. Listen, people do some weird things when they're, when they're, when they're out of focus. Listen, dis, dis, discouragement gets you out of focus and dis, listen, discouragement will cause us to do things that don't make any sense there. Our perception of the church and the pastor and the people and the deacons and the Sunday school teacher that gets altered. We don't think like we used to. Our judgment becomes clouded. We go from being faithful and dependable to becoming unfaithful and unreliable. And discouraged people always do things that do not make sense there. Why? Because they're out of focus on what they're doing. Wow, they used to be here at church all the time. What happened? And they substitute other things for Jesus. They substitute other things for the church, and it doesn't make sense. We're trying to figure out what happened there. Hey, discouragement robs you of your joy. 
You lose your peace and you lose your happiness. You lose your discouragement. Hey, discouragement robs you of your strength. I like what Spurgeon said. Spurgeon said this, our anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, but only empties today of its strength. Discouragement robs you of your faith. Fear overcomes you. You get like David, it's better for me to go to the land of Philistines than to stay and trust in God. You trust in yourself rather than in God. You believe God has failed you. You go from praying to no praying. You become like David says, there's nothing better for me. Discouragement will rob you of your fellowship. You know what happens when you get discouraged? Watch this. When you get discouraged, you withdraw. You isolate yourself. You seclude yourself, but it's not in the prayer closet. Discouragement will rob you of your kindness. Discouraged people become cynical. Discouraged people become critical. Hey, discouragement robs us of our productivity. You lose interest in serving God. You lose interest in winning souls. You lose interest in the advancement of the church. You lose interest in being faithful. You lose interest in being productive with your life. Hey, I want to ask you tonight, are you discouraged? Are you discouraged? Are any of those things, those symptoms, are they they something that you're going through? I mean, is the Holy Spirit of God saying, yes, maybe I'm discouraged. Maybe I've lost my focus. Maybe I've withdrawn from fellowship. Maybe I don't have the same faith I used to. Maybe my strength has been depleted because I'm discouraged. Listen, discouragement is a miserable robber. Jeremiah was a discouraged prophet. He's crying, woe is me. Why was I born? We've seen some manifold reasons. We see it's a miserable robber, but what you notice tonight as we close, what you notice this tonight, because I don't want to spend all my time talking about discouragement. I want to talk about dismantling discouragement, amen? I mean, I've had you discouraged for 25 minutes. The next 35, I'm going to get you encouraged, amen? Because we're not going to stay on the reasons, and we're not going to talk about the robbers. I'm going to tell you about the medicinal remedy, amen? I want to talk about the remedy for discouragement. I want to talk about what Jesus can do for you. Jeremiah was discouraged. Look back in chapter 15. He was a discouraged prophet. He said, woe is me. My pain is incurable. Oh, Lord, thou knowest. He says, my persecutor is over me. And then he noticed he came to a great discovery in verse 16. He got to the place where he said, man, I've been out of it for a long time. I haven't been to the place I used to be. I've gotten away from the well that, that never runs dry and i've gotten away from the rock that that ush gushes forth water he got to place one day he said i man i haven't been in my bible and i haven't been praying he got the place where verse 16 he came up with this discovery it's a great discovery would you notice with me tonight he said thy words were found and i did eat them and they were the joy and rejoicing my heart thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing my heart for i'm called by thy name O lord god of hosts listen and you say that's so simple yeah it's simple but it's a great discovery he said i got the place where i wasn't in god God's word and where I was getting the messages, but I wasn't getting something personal. He said, I got the place where thy words were found. I got deep into the word of God. I started pouring through God's word. I started asking God to work in my heart. He said, thy words were found and I did eat them and they were the joy and rejoice in my heart. Brother and sister in Christ, when you get discouraged, get back deep into the word of God. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are, 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 are pure, enlightening the eye. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warm. In the keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from sacred faults. 
Oh, Jeremiah said in verse 16, Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and they were, thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing my heart. Listen, he got down to the place, he stopped skipping over the word of God. He got down to the place where he stopped scanning over the word of God and perusing over the word of God. And he got to the place where he stopped making excuses, and, dead, and, and he got away from the place like many Christians do. They read one verse, and they think they've walked with God. Let me tell you what, I'm thankful for the one verse, but you didn't start walking with God with just one verse. You're going to walk with God. You're going to go through a chapter here and a chapter there. And you're going to get to the place where you realize you're going from you going through the word. And the word is going through you. You're discouraged because your situation, you feel shut up, just like shut, shut up between a rock and a hard spot. You're like Israel was in, over in Exodus chapter 14. They made their way to the, to the banks of the Red Sea. And they're thinking, how are we going to get across this thing? And they look backwards. There was no way back because behind them was the Egyptian army. And they looked at this Egyptian army there and they said, man, we, we don't know where to go. Listen, when you get to a place where you feel like you're shut in and you don't know where to go and what to do, get back into Exodus chapter 14 and read the word of God and read what God God told Moses when he said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And when it's time to cross that gold Red Sea, just go forward like Moses told them to go there. I'm telling you tonight, when we get to that place, when we're shut in, we need to go deep in Exodus 14. I'm going to tell you tonight, when we get to that place, when we are discouraged, we come to the waters of Mara, and those waters of Mara are bitter, and the bitterness of life has overtaken us, and everything we drink is bitter, and everything we smell is bitter, and everything around our life is bitter. We need to go deep into Exodus chapter 15 and go back to that place when Israel went to the waters of Mara. And remember when we read the word of God, how God told Moses, there's an old tree there, chop down the tree and cast the tree into the waters and the bitter waters will be made sweet. I'm going to tell you tonight, we need to go deep in Exodus chapter 15 when bitterness comes in and we need to get the cross of Jesus Christ back into the waters of life and taking that which is bitter and make it sweet once again. I want to tell you tonight when sometimes we get into the valley of the Elah's and there's a giant voicing his opposition to us. And the giant is bigger than us. The giant of unbelief and the giant of doubt and the giant of opposition. And that giant is nine feet, nine inches tall. And he's shouting us down. And we're there standing there in the Valley of Elah. We're not dressed for battle. We didn't even go there for battle. But he's counting, shouting us down. I'm going to tell you tonight, you need to go to 1 Samuel 17 and get deep in 1 Samuel 17. And read about a little shepherd boy who all God wanted him to do is go there and deliver some food to his brothers. He went there out of faithfulness. He accepted the challenge. He heard that giant crying out he said is there not a cause and he told that old giant you come to me with your sword and with your spear but i come in the name of the living god i'm going to tell you tonight when you're discouraged you get down that place you look at that giant you tell the giant you may be bigger than me but you're not bigger than my god and you stand before that giant and you wave that old bible in his face and you tell him god is the victor in this situation there i want to tell you tonight when you get discouraged and because laws are passed telling you can't practice your faith like they did to old daniel in daniel chapter six and they passed the law and said he can't preach to what he couldn't pray pray anymore you know what daniel did he got down on his knee went up to his room he opened the windows wide open he looked outside he said yep they can see me right here and he got down on his knees he started praying oh god of heaven and earth oh god of abraham isaac and jacob he started praying down for the power of god and listen i believe he was so baptist he prayed loud so everybody in the city could hear him amen you need to go back to daniel chapter six when you get discouraged your faith and read about the prayer of a man who shut the mouths of lions Discouragement has gripped your soul. 
And you've been fear has gripped your soul because of that. And you feel so fearful. You're fearful of the dark. You're fearful of the day. You have doubts in your heart. You're worried about your future. You're worried about who's going to take care of your family. You're worried about who's going to take care of you. You wonder what's going to happen to your job. Listen, when fear overtakes us, listen, when fear overtakes us, there is no faith. Listen, we've got to go deep into Psalm 34 and do like David said. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and he delivered him out of all his troubles. Listen, we need to get the place. We go from fear to faith and anxiety to assurance in Jesus Christ tonight. You get discouraged and people forsake you. Go to 2 Timothy 4 and read about the old apostle Paul who said, no man forsook me. But he said he got that place. He said, no man stood with me. But he said, nevertheless, the Lord stood with me. I'm telling you tonight, we get to the place where we're so discouraged in our lows. So we're trying to find solution in our hearts and find solution in our souls. We've got to get to the place like, oh, Jeremiah, thy words were found and I did eat them. And they were the joy and rejoicing in my heart. I want to tell you tonight that every one of us can get to the place in our life. Listen to me this evening. All of us can get to the place in our life when we get so discouraged because of the weight of the ministry is too heavy and your cross is getting hard to bear when you feel like you're about ready to quit and you feel like climbing up Calvary's mountain is too heavy for you and you need someone to carry that cross and you feel like quitting and you feel like it's not worth it and you feel like discipleship is not worth the task and you feel like you don't want to go on you might feel like right now the church expects too much of me and the pastor wants too much of me and the church wants my money and the church wants this and the church wants that and you feel the weight of ministry is too much and you feel like you can't handle it and you feel like there's not enough time in the day I want to tell you tonight you need to get like the old, like the old Bible readers and you need to open your Bible when you feel that the weight is too heavy and the cross is too heavy to bear you need to get in your Bible and go to Matthew 27 and Mark chapter 15 and Luke chapter 22 and John chapter 19 and you read about the cross the cross of Jesus Christ and how Jesus carried that cross and then you pull it all together and you read that you go over there to Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 to 3 where in Hebrews chapter 12 he talks about a great cloud of witnesses around us and he tells us we're to look unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down on the right hand of God. For consider him who endured such contradiction of sin, lest ye be also wearied and fade your mind. Listen, when you think it's too bad, when you think it's too big, when you think it's too burdensome, when you think it's too heavy, go back and look at Jesus. He endured it all, lest ye faint and be weary in your own mind. I'm telling you tonight, discouragement may come, but we've got to get like this old prophet of God. Thy words were found, and I didn't eat them, and they were the joy and rejoicing in my heart. King Henry VIII died on January 8th, 1547. His son Edward was nine years old. You're king. How do you, who, do you have a nine-year-old, Brother Anthony? Are you nine years old? You are not going to be king. No way. No way. No way. Is your name Edward? No. Thank God for that. Amen. nine years old. The right of succession, the king's oldest son. It's coronation day. All the festivities and the princes come and Edward's sitting on that throne. He's about to assume as the king of the kingdom. They present him three swords. The three swords represented the three kingdoms that England oversaw. And symbolically represented, you are the king over these three kingdoms. Those swords represented his right, uh, sovereignty. And Edward became very anxious on his face. And his face got contorted. And he said, sir, what's wrong? He said, Sven, there's three swords, but there's one missing.
They said, what do you mean? He said, there's three swords and one missing. They looked at each other. What sword could there be? These three swords represent three kids. No. He said, there's one sword missing. They said, sir, what sword is that? He said, the sword of the Lord, the word of God, the Bible is missing. And he said, listen, without that, we have no right to be here. Listen to what he said. The book is the sword of the spirit and to be preferred before all these three swords. Without that sword, we are nothing. We have nothing. We have not power from the Bible. We are what we are this day from it. We receive whatsoever it is that we are. We do at this present time under the Bible, the word of God. We ought to live and to fight and to govern the people and assume all of our fears from it alone. We attain all our power, our virtue, our grace, salvation. And what we have is of divine strength. I'm saying today, he said, just like Jeremiah of old said, he said, I, thy words were found and I did eat them. And they were the joy and rejoice in my heart. Warren Wiersbe said this, the remedy for discouragement is the word of God. When you feed, feed your heart and your mind with this truth, you regain your perspective and find renewed strength. Jeremiah said, thy words were found and I did eat them and, they were the, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoice in my heart. For I'm called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. The students of a high school in another part of this country was badly shaken. His classmate had committed suicide. The school had to shut down. They had to call grievance counselors. Next to the body of that student, they found a note. The note sadly said this. It's hard to live. when Nobody cares if even you die. One of the newer teachers in the high school thought this is a moment we need to seize upon to deal with discouraged thinking. And he got his class together and he wanted to spread from his class. He got his class together. And he asked his class to imagine if you were about to die at this moment, who would you write a note to telling someone how much you appreciate them? Who is the one person you would write to to say, I just want you to know I appreciate you and thank you for who you are? The students went about. He gave pens and paper to all of them. He said, I want you to write that letter. And a girl named Sandy, who had a terrible relationship with her mother, started thinking very hard. And while all the other students started writing away, Sandy was thinking, and she was deep in thought, the only person I could think about I need to write a letter to is my mother. You've had a tough relationship, especially as a teenager, to your mother. And Sandy started thinking. She says, I'm, I'm determined I'm going to write this to my mom. And she wrote this letter, and this letter she said, Dear Mom, we've had some rough times, and I haven't always been a very good daughter, but I know I'm lucky, and I don't want to believe in luck, but I just want to use the letter for the, for the sake of the illustration. She said, But I know I'm lucky to have you in my life. You're the best person I've ever known. And even when I disagree with you, I never doubt you love me and want what's best for me. Thanks for not giving up on me, Sandy. Your mother read that letter. She put it down on the kitchen table and she said, Sandy, come here. She gave Sandy a warm embrace and hugged her very close to herself. Sandy, I love you. Thank you so much. Mom was speechless, didn't know what to say. It was late at night. They finally made their way to bed, their separate beds, and went to sleep. Early that next morning, Sandy got up to go to school. As she was getting out of bed, next to her nightstand was a note. And she could tell it was a very carefully folded note. She knew it was from her mother. She quickly opened the note, even though she was just barely awake, and she started reading, and this is what the letter said. Dear Sandy, 
I want you to know that being your mother is by far the most important thing in my life. Until I got your note, I thought I'd lost your love and your respect. I felt like such a failure. I intended, I intended to end it all last night. Your note saved my life. Can I tell you something tonight? This is God's love letter from heaven. It will save your life. It will get you out of discouragement. Spurgeon said, a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. When you're discouraged, be like Jeremiah. Thy words were found. And I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. My God morning is not a substitute from the word of God. Our daily word is not a substitute for the word of God. Thy words were found. He didn't have a Bible booklet. He had scrolls he had to go to. In those days, it was more work to read the scriptures than it is for us today. A lot of work. Did Jeremiah, in a moment of discouragement, he cursed the day of his birth. He wanted to quit the ministry. He wasn't sure what he was doing. He felt this low, this small. He's saying, what am I doing here? His lowest point, he got to the word of God and opened the first scroll. He started reading it. He said, thy words were found. And I did eat them. And thy word was unto me, the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Read the word of God. Imagine that the Bible is God's arms wrapping himself around you. And tightly embracing you and said, son, I love you. Daughter, I love you. It's okay. You get down that place of discouragement. Remember what Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You get to that place where you're in a storm in your life. Remember the three words that calm a storm. Peace, be still. You get to a place like that father in John chapter 4, that nobleman who made a 15-mile trek from where he was at to go to, go to Cain of Galilee to visit with Jesus. Remember that? And this, that man came and that he, he, said, he said, what's your need? He said, sir, come down, lest my son die. That man, had to, he had to rest on the word of God. And Jesus told him, he says, that, he says, go thy way, thy son shall be healed. He rested on the word of God and God saw him through. And I'm going to tell you tonight as we get through this this evening, discouragement is real. Discouragement is a robber, but discouragement has a remedy. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me, the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Are you discouraged? Here's your remedy. Here's your cure. You've got to get deep in the word. You've got to find it. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and to keep you in them, there's great reward. There's hope for your discouragement. There's an answer through God. Don't let discouragement dismantle you. Take the word of God and dismantle discouragement. Father, tonight, thank you for just a quick word of encouragement to our congregation this evening to remind us in times of discouragement to go to the word of God, to find our relief, to find our escape, to find our hiding place, to know that God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble, to know that the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous runneth into it, 
and is safe. Lord, thank you for the promises. I, I sought the Lord. He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Lord, thank you tonight that our times are in your hands. Thank you tonight that you are our shield and exceeding great reward. Thank you tonight that you're Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who heals. And thank you tonight that you're Jehovah Shalom, the Lord who's our peace. And thank you, Lord, that you're Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. And Jehovah Nisi, the Lord who's our banner. And thank you tonight that you are our Father, which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Father, thank you tonight that you're God only wise. You're almighty, omnipotent, and powerful. Thank you, God, that you're eternal. You're the eternal living God. Thank you, Father, tonight that thy word is found and we can eat them and they can become the joy and rejoice in our hearts. Tonight, I pray for someone who's discouraged. Encourage them through your word. For someone who's coming out of discouragement, help them to latch on to what the Bible says. For someone who's not in discouragement, but, Lord, living in victory right now, help them to remember, as Jeremiah, thy words were found and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me, the joy and rejoice in my heart. Father, thank you, the answers in the word of God. Thank you, the answers, Christ. Thank you, the answers, the goodness of God. This evening, we pray this, that, that tonight that you give us an infusion of encouragement and help and warmth. And, Lord, love tonight. And we pray all these things of you in Jesus' name. Let's stand. We're going to have the invitation. If you need to come, maybe you're discouraged. You find your place at the altar and take your old Bible. says, God, I want to just eat your word and find encouragement from the word of God. Thy word was found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me, the joy rejoicing in my heart. If you're, in, you're discouraged, get encouraged from the Lord. Find encouragement from the Lord. His word will encourage us. The Psalms will encourage us. The Proverbs will encourage us. Ecclesiastes will encourage us. Listen, the book of Deuteronomy will encourage us. The book of Ruth will encourage us. Every word of God is pure. Find your help in that tonight. Rest in the sovereignty of God's word for your life tonight. You come tonight. If you're praying around the room, just take a moment to pray. Let's get God's wisdom and help for our lives. Would you do that for just a moment tonight? Father, as we assemble around the church tonight, thank you for encouragement that's in the Lord. God, thank you that you're there for us. Thank you that the Lord is our helper. We don't have to fear what man will do unto us. Thank you, Jesus, that all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Father, thank you that you said, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Thank you that you are our helper. You are the Lord, our helper, Eliezer. You're, you're, a, you're, you're, you're the God who's our helper. And tonight, we rest our cares and our concerns to you. Thank you, Lord. The Bible tells us, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall rule your hearts and minds, which are in Christ Jesus. Lord, dismiss us tonight as an encouraged people. And dismiss us tonight as a people that are lifted in our hearts and gives God the glory. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the doctrine. Thank you for the duty and forces to us. But thank you, Lord. It helps us to dismantle the discouragement that comes our way. We give you thanks tonight. Help us to hold up high the shield of faith to absorb those fiery darts of Satan when they're fired at us. And we'll thank you for this, Lord, tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.